0: Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Travis Reier, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you here on the channel. It is a Thursday, January the 18th, 2024. We're going to be joined by Tim Watts, site publisher for us right there at BOL, coming up momentarily. Also, Clint Lamb of the BamaOnline.com staff going to join us coming up in just a little bit as well. And speaking of
1: which, there he is right now. What's up? What's going on, my man? Getting situated. Getting Good. situated. A little slower today than yesterday so far, knock on wood. Still early. Still early. But it is early. by the way,
0: I know you're pretty high up that chain there at on three. So I'm going to ask you on behalf of Alabama fans everywhere. Can we get like a Hayes-Fawcett moratorium on tweets related to Alabama's roster? Tim on this Thursday, maybe just a <laughs> one day moratorium from Hayes.
1: But yeah, I don't think Hayes. I mean, he's probably pretty stressed right now. I know him, good guy. A uh, lot happening. He probably thought, like the rest of us, we got through that first transfer portal window. We're going to get a little break, right? And then you had the coaches' dominoes. You got Jim Harbaugh waiting to fall, right? If he leaves, you got another Michigan domino falling. Um, so, yeah, Hayes is probably just as tired as the rest of us in this business.
0: Yeah, I mean, good for Hayes, but damn. I mean, we've pretty much been reduced to waiting on edits from a graphics guy to let us know how the sport is going to be shaped. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there's still the potential for this to come for Michigan. Washington's going through it right now. Um, you know, you you make the college football playoff, and the reward is uh, if your coach moves on as – three of the four teams in the playoff, you had movement by those coaches. Uh, the reward is your roster is exposed for the next 30 days to pretty much every other team at the FBS level. So you kind of miss the window because you're getting ready for the college football playoff them. Then you make the playoff and then it's open season on
1: your roster. I don't know. I don't know why the window's 30 days when the other windows aren't 30 days. I can't really figure it out the, The playoff window was five. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot and there's a rush to get, you know, kids out before they can make a decision to enroll at another school. I think that factored in. Um, I just don't think any of this is doing, you know, a favor for any of the players um, because they're being forced to make decisions without enough time to, to really think. I mean, you got seven or eight guys in the portal. How much time do they get to know Kalen DeBoer or,
2: the yeah. new coaching
1: staff and all that kind of all that kind of uh stuff that you would expect because you'd want them to sit down and get to know him before making a decision. But I mean, they might have met him, but they didn't get down, get a chance to really get to know him. They were already, you know, I think decided to leave in many cases. I know a guy like Rick's, he was, you know, that's probably in NIL related. I know it was, in fact, just like Bond, NIL related. So we understand those decisions, you know. That that but the other ones you know maybe a little bit more questionable with some like amari and i black antonio kite you know yeah. but at the same time the kid should go be where he's comfortable yeah they should one way or the other and
0: um you, you know there's that domino effect too it's not just the college football playoff teams those teams make hires the hires they make elite places like jed fish losing arizona you get hit with a quick exodus for the wildcats out in tucson it just uh continues on and on. But for Alabama on Wednesday, as we know, Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor, a couple of five-star recruits for the 2023 class who uh, did some great things as true freshmen for the Crimson Tide a season ago. Wanted to ask you about those guys and the aftermath here. Considering the dynamics in play was there a bigger surprise of the two on Wednesday, or based on some subsurface surface rumblings over the last month or so, was either really a surprise to
1: see you make that move, Tim? I don't think Caden was much. A uh, Proctor was much of a surprise because he was homesick. We heard about it during the season. It's not unheard of to be homesick, um, especially coming from you know that far away you kind of hope a lot of times they get into the season and it helps, but I think the the holiday season was hard for him. Um, And I think he's homesick and don't forget, this is a guy that was committed to Iowa forever. And then when they struggled, just basically decided to go to Alabama. So Caleb Downs, I think the one, you know, you'll freak out the most about the average fan will because they're, you know, they're fearing he'll go to Georgia, but I think you losing your left tackle is much more important than a safety. That's a bigger hole to fill. Caleb's a terrific player. I mean, I had a, you know, I had some conversations yesterday with Caleb Leave and One, I have a friend that's fairly educated said Alabama went from 11 and one to seven and five, and I was like, "You have lost your mind." I mean, that's. <laughs> a, I mean, no offense to. I mean, I've never seen a safety be a four-game no. swing in my life, and I've and no. you know Ed Reed might be my favorite NFL player, um, no. and the best safety to ever do it. So I think Proctor's the bigger loss from a from a need standpoint. Uh, They got guys on campus for sure uh, that can beat there, but a freshman All-American coming off an injury. And, you know, if you're homesick, you're homesick. That's not something you really can get. If you haven't got over it by now, you're probably not getting over it.
0: Tough part for UA and all this is that it actually lived with some of the lumps that both of those guys took in 2023. I mean, both did what Alabama needed them to do as true freshmen, but neither was close to a finished product. So, I think that's where it pains you the most if you're Alabama, is that they're just going to get better from here. And they have the potential to be really, really good. And you're not going to benefit from some of those hard lessons that both Downs and Proctor underwent in 2023.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, the the whole portal thing is just wrapping. You've lost eight guys. To me, that's the bigger picture. I don't think, even with the eight gone, and i'm not saying that's the end you can rally you can rally from what's down i mean you've seen the guys coming in bol andrew bone had the guy you know we've got guys coming in from the portal that can fill a need at center can fill a need at a defensive back corner you know, they've got yeah. other guys that could come in you still got to figure out your left tackle but again there's going to be a spring uh opening here and we've seen them go get tyler steen before and a guy that's you know was a left tackle for a whole year It is. It's uh it's doable. And
0: you know, I'm with you in terms of just value, the left tackle hit is a bit more than a safety. And again, Caleb Downs more than just a safety. We know that he can play the sub package roles at a high level. He showed you he can return punts too. So he is a multi talented, multi versatile type of player who sort of transcends just one position, but it's also not to the level of say if you had a Will Anderson as an edge rusher of that ilk as a true freshman, if he had moved on from Alabama after a season, I think the impact is greater again when you take positional value into account, but still sort of a cold water to the face reality of where we're at in college football in 2024, Tim, based on how the portal rules are set up. UA's having to take some blows right now. And with that, It's been good to hear from guys like Tyler Booker and Malachi Moore and Deontay Lawson. They've stepped up and let the fan base know that, look, the expectations and the standards aren't moving on with the guy largely responsible for setting
1: the bar. Yeah, I mean, filling holes. I mean, I'll be honest. Did you think this would be worse this close into it? This this window, I mean, outside of Caleb and Proctor, who all hit, I'll tell you one thing. I wish the Band-Aid would get ripped off, right? It's all the way off. I just like, you know. That's like, where the 30-day window is brutal. That's what, I mean, I think that you're talking about the leaders, obviously, Lawson and Booker and guys. I think you walk in and say, if you got to go, you got to go. But, you know, kick rocks. Let us know. Let us know what's on our team and let's build. But it's certainly huge to hear from. Tyler Booker or something along the lines of you couldn't give me enough money to leave Alabama, you got Deontay Lawson, you got Malachi Moore, you know, Jalen, you've got leaders standing up, and that will go a long way to keeping this the, this roster together. You know, I think it becomes just simply if you're not with us, you're against us, and, and you have to adjust your mindset. Uh, I do think that it's easier for fans that are – if you're a fan, if you're a big fan of professional sports – I think this is a little easier to deal with because you're used to losing players to free agency, right? You're used to losing. You know, I'm a Pelicans fan. I have seen them lose Chris Paul. I've seen them lose Anthony Davis. So you've seen that. So maybe it's a little easier to adjust to uh, from that angle. But, um, yeah, to hear the leaders stand up and say, hey, let's get this done, and, and we're here. Uh, and that's big. Jaden Roberts had a tweet. I mean, you're getting Tyler Booker and Jaden Roberts, two All-American offensive linemen right out of the gate to build around. No doubt. And that's important right there in the interior of that offensive line.
0: That not only helps you right transition to a new center, but also to two new tackles to have experienced guys like that, capable guys like that coming back at the uh, at the guard position. So for Alabama right now, you need to weather the storm for the next two or three weeks. And part of this, too, that you have to take into account is if guys are going to make the jump right now, they probably need to do it. Before the three weeks are up, because you got to get enrolled, right? If you're thinking mid year, there's some deadlines that have to be coming up. If we're not already at them,
1: I mean, people are in school. I mean, yeah. they're in school. The other schools. Now, I mean, you gotta you gotta drop ad, go there, move your stuff, and all yeah. that. Now, they got help for that. Yeah, I'm so sure. Te-
0: yeah, so technically, while the timeframe is what it is, the reality is. I think we're seeing a lot of this at this moment because guys need to get to their next stops. Just like we heard from Caleb Downs, father, I believe, Well, this decision is going to take place in the next 48 hours. Well, it kind of has to, I mean, I know a lot of people look at that statement and say, well, they already knew this for a while that this was the plan. But I think as much as anything, the time crunch of getting to your next stop is going to dictate that that happens. But for Alabama, um, you know, like I said, you weather the storm and then, you know, there's still the potential as we're seeing right now with uh, DeBoer's connections at Washington, both with players and recruits uh, that you could see some additions coming from the West, I guess you could say, where this Alabama team is concerned.
1: Yeah, I think Jabari Muhammad's the one you look at the quick, you know, the, the fastest and wonder about him. Um, You know, what kind of impact could he have? He'd be big for Alabama. And I think Parker Brailsford, Brailsford, I'll have to practice that name. He could be quite the hero to show up as the center, you know, the new center for an Alabama offense. I think he played center, you know, double digit games this year, started, started at guard, I read. So they've got guys coming in. There's going to be more. I know it's going to take a minute, but that spring's going to have Uh, The biggest thing for the spring is they can't go SEC to SEC. Yeah, Um, That's the biggest thing. But you will still have plenty of people and plenty of talent bouncing around. I mean, it's a big country. There's a lot of guys that will still be looking to make moves. We've seen – you know, there's a handful of guys we've seen to come in and make an impact uh, at that time. So it's easy. I mean, this is the best time for this to happen in a way because you do have – I mean, it stinks you're losing guys in the portal. But you could have always lost guys to transfer. There's always been transfers under this situation, but you do have a legal portal window open for you to do it.
0: And I I think it's bad news for a lot of programs around the country because now you've got players across the country, as you mentioned, the SEC situation comes into play, but are thinking, you know what? I'm going to play this thing out over the next couple of three months and see where Bama's at come mid-April, and I could very well see myself making that move to Tuscaloosa and you got to account for things number wise too. If you're to bore in this staff, you know, you can only have so many spots. So, uh, there's a math involved and, you know, it's one of the things too we've heard in relation to NIL Tim is the saving discount. And I don't think it really was a discount because a lot of guys were making a lot more money in deferred cash via the NFL draft. In other words, because they weren't signing on with Alabama for huge deals, uh, they were still making it up on the back end. Regardless, I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise to see the NIL drive really crank up for UA over the last week or so.
1: Well, we never really heard much about it during the Saban tenure. You know, I don't think yeah. he was a huge fan of it. He had a system, and it worked because he was Nick Saban. I mean, they, there was kids they lost because of the NIL Um, but at the same time, he had a way of not rocking the boat and keeping his roster together as well as he could. And we saw that through the first portal where he managed to keep, you know, all the guys in the portal now were staying because of Nick Saban. You know, and again, they they were hit that portal pretty quick. So I think that had to be on their mind pretty heavy at some point. And that might this might have been the guys that kind of, you know, we've heard the talk of the NI, all the NIL discussion really rubbed him the wrong way when he was trying to have those end-of-year discussions. This is probably some of the guys that were having those discussions with him.
0: Yeah, and by the way, I mean, the Yay Alabama Collective, it doesn't just benefit Alabama football. That's huge, obviously. I mean, it benefits all the other programs, too. It helps Nate Oates. It helps Rob Vaughn. It helps Patrick Murphy, and on and on. Hey, Tim, we're going to jump in here now with our staff mate, Clint Lamb. We want to get maybe a little more positions specific with Clint in relation to Wednesday's news. Clint, how are you on this Thursday? You catching up? You get any sleep at all?
2: Probably more than uh probably more than you and Tim. Uh <laughs> I'm sure you guys at your phones have been going crazy. My phone's been going crazy. Everybody wants answers. And the unfortunate part is is I mean you don't really have too many right now. The bottom line is, is some guys are leaving. Uh it's understandable. Uh you know it's unfortunate for Alabama. It's unfortunate for Alabama fans, but Uh, It's just this is the era of college football with the transfer portal, and this is what happens when you lose, arguably. I I don't even think it's really arguable at this point, the greatest college football coach of all time.
0: Guys, let's start with that secondary because we're talking about an area that has lost seven defensive backs to the portal since the end of the 2023 regular season. Obviously, Caleb Downs, Trey Amos, most recently, perhaps, not perhaps, most impactful when looking ahead to 2024. Moving forward, it starts back there. I would think with Malachi Moore, a glue guy who can answer some questions at up to maybe three spots still, he's just one guy. And for now, anyway, when I think about safety, Devontae Smith, Tony Mitchell come to mind quickly. Clint, I know you've outlined a lot of this for us right there at BamaOnline.com. And Tim, you also know a tremendous freshman class loaded with quality safety types. That, along with the potential to mine the transfer portal coming into Alabama, I guess provides a little bit of light
1: at the end of the tunnel, Tim. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to throw a true freshman out there, but not all of them are are freshmen. I mean, you got Damani Jackson, who's got some experience, uh, a very talented group. You still have Hurley back there. I'll tell you one thing I think that helps with a group of eight. They brought in eight newcomers in, in that secondary is to have Malachi, who's basically a coach on the field, right? I know it'll be a different system, but what hasn't Malachi seen at this point in his career? He's been in a lot of rooms. He's been a leader. He's going to understand the terminology. He's going to take over. You're getting an assistant coach and a player, which I think will help. But, I mean, if you look at that class they brought in, you know, starting at the top. you start. I think you start with Damani simply because he's the guy that's got experience, the former five-star, a huge upside. But when you get to guys like Jalen Embakwe. Zabian Brown, Zay Mincy. I mean, you've got guys that can play the corner positions. Um, Peyton Woodyard's a guy that could be, you know, again, you don't want to sling an all freshman secondary out there in the SEC. But I will say, if you got to play a bunch of freshmen, Bama's got a bunch, you know, that are worthy of playing as far as being talented. Clint, let's look at safety
0: to start with. And Malachi's back. I think Tim hit on something important. At least you know you have a guy back there that can make calls, but he can also play safety. He can play star. He can play the money. He's done all three of those things in the past. Kind of outline that situation as it sits right now, but then incorporating the potential for these newcomers and guys that we may not even know about yet, how that could look when Alabama opens the season for 2024.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I do think that when the transfer portal opens up for everybody following the spring, you got to think Alabama is going to be active in it. So what you're seeing right now might not necessarily be what you see post spring. So be sure to keep that in mind. But even if it in, they end up having a ride with this safety group, I think it's still got a pretty decent combination of experience, whether it be experience on the field or just seasoning in the program, a guy like Devontae Smith. That was a guy who was trending towards having a role last year, potentially even a starting role. I think he was very much in that mix. You've got a guy like Malachi Moore who's got that star safety, you know, versatility. Um, and I will be curious to see where he ends up playing. We, we're still referring to it as a star. Uh, I mean, obviously it won't be probably labeled as the star anymore. Husky but wolf. Yeah, well, Something. that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to. But, I mean, he could end up playing safety. He could end up playing, you know, whatever that kind of nickel role is playing over the slot. He's got tons of experience. You've got Devontae Smith. Tony Mitchell's a guy who, you know, we understand what happened last offseason as far as the the off-the-field stuff, but he was able to, you know, get back on the football team. Obviously, Nick Saban has a lot of respect for him. He was able to work his way onto the 2-D, which I thought was pretty big. Uh, And he can also play kind of down in the box if you need him to, playing over the slot, playing kind of a linebacker safety hybrid type of role. Or he can play that rover strong safety. Uh, very aggressive, coming downhill, very physical. And then, you know, so you've got three guys like that. you got Bray Hubbard, who I know the coaching staff really liked. Nick Saban saw him on campus, uh, you know, going through the camp stuff, immediately offered him. So, obviously, they have have a lot of respect for him. He's kind of done that special teams thing early in his career to get his feet wet. But then a guy like Peyton Woodyard, I think he's a guy who could end up contributing earlier rather than later. Uh, Very talented guy, ranked just outside the top 100 but I think that he's got a lot of traits that you look for at the position. And as far as just IQ and and understanding uh, how to play football, I think he's a pretty advanced guy, but then you also got, you know, Red Morgan, you got Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. So you've got bodies and you've got talent, but also you've kind of got that experience balance as well a little bit. Obviously you would want more of it. Uh, And one thing with the secondary that you have to keep in mind, it's like you lose the Kool-Aid McKinstries and the Tyrion Arnolds there at corner. Uh, the next guys up, that's something that Nick Saban has always done a really good job of at Alabama, the Des Ricks, the Antonio Kites, those guys ended up bouncing in the transfer portal. And so your your plan, what you had in place, you know, isn't there right now. So that leaves some uncertainty, but the talent is certainly there. It's just, it's the talent's got to catch up as far as the experience. So once it does that, I think they'll be in pretty good shape.
0: Yeah. At corner, it almost has to be Damani Jackson at the top, because as you outlined, there really isn't anyone left now Jalil Hurley. I think people forget highly regarded recruit a couple of years ago, as you said, more talented newcomers on the ways, AB Brown, uh, already a part of the program, uh, that, that we saw during bowl practices, the potential for a transfer to Jabbar Muhammad that, uh, Tim hit on, I guess Clint earlier expected in Tuscaloosa, like it's going to be Oregon, Texas or Alabama, Tim. And, um, you know, he says, like we talked about earlier, he's looking to get this thing done this week. I mean, because he almost has to if he's going to go ahead and make the move.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's looking to him. He's a talented guy with experience. Um, nice resume if you look at it. All Pac-12, second team, preseason All-Pac-12 coming in. Um, I think I saw his stats. I don't know if I got them pulled up or not. I think he had 43 pass deflections. I don't remember. That sounds bananas. I have to look that up, but I feel like that's correct. For his career? Um, yeah. For uh, career, I think, I'm going to look it up now. But yeah,
0: I mean, this is a guy like that comes... three a game. I mean, maybe, but damn, that's I'm, I'm looking
1: at. I'm looking at it up right now. But yeah, he's a guy that comes in. If you watch his tape, he's going to come in and be aggressive. Uh, you know, the thing I liked about him, he's not he's not very scared. Um, he's a guy that'll stick his head in and he'll go right at you. And um, again, having that experience, he's got that big game experience, the bowl experience and all of that. No, he had 46 tackles, but he had 14 pass deflection, which still is still a big a number. Yeah. yeah, still a big number. They had 46 tackles. I like the fact he had two sacks, meaning he's aggressive. They're okay bringing him off the edge, but 14 is a big number. 43 would have been an amazing number, but 14 is still uh, a solid number. Well, 46 tackles, very aggressive. Got a little bit of swagger to him. So, yeah, battling Texas. Um You know, another guy that, you know, played in a national championship game. I mean, it was just nine days ago that his head, he was playing in a national championship game with his head coach. Flash forward, you know, and 10 days later, he's visiting Alabama to see his old coaches, has a brother at Texas. So, again, Texas is heavy, heavy, heavy in the NIL, very heavy. So um, it's going to be interesting how that team shakes out. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Steve Sarkeesian uh, to win with all that money they're invested, but they're involved as well. Uh, we move over to offense on the heels of the Caden Proctor news.
0: Uh, J.C. Latham moves on to the NFL. So now you're in the market for a pair of starting tackles, Clint. Elijah Pritchett considered the portal, maybe went in briefly, did a U-turn, came back out. You had a 2023 recruiting class in addition to Caden Proctor that saw you sign Wilkin Formby, Miles McVay. Ola Salinen worked inside as a true freshman, but he certainly has tackle in his background. McQuill Batron, the Texas A&M signee in 2023 uh, via the transfer portal joins Alabama. Are those the primary candidates? Are there some things that could even happen, though, coming up with the transfer portal? Thinking about some Washington guys that could be in play for Alabama, that more interior, that if you get one or two of those guys, perhaps you're more flexible with what you can even do with your guard types if you had to, if it came down to it, I guess.
2: Yeah, Tyler Booker would be the main one that I would think, you know, if if they feel more comfortable, they bring in a a veteran guy. There's that Washington uh, guard who's played a lot of right guard, left guard, hadn't played a lot of tackle. He's got a lot of length, but, uh, you know, haven't really seen him too much at tackle. If he's a pure guard or they view him that way, maybe Tyler Booker after dropping some weight, I think probably being where I mean, he's probably gonna be dropping weight for DeBoer's offense or Grubb's offense anyway. So it really doesn't matter. But I do think that he has the ability to kick out, probably to right tackle. I don't know that I would – You might play him at, at left tackle out of necessity. I don't think that's an ideal position for him. But I think that you could certainly get serviceable play out of that spot if it ended up being Tyler Booker. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because – Alabama has usually set themselves up where they only have to replace one tackle. Like they have one guy locked up in a starting job and then you got a competition happening at the other spot between a couple of guys. And in this situation, due to Caden Proctor electing to leave, now you're replacing both of them. One of, of, uh, of Alabama's potential options and Elijah Pritchett has already seen some snaps. I think when you talk about that stretch where they were kind of platooning that left tackle spot, How important was that as far as Elijah Pritchett's experience? Because if he didn't get that, you're looking at him. You're looking at Miles McVay, uh, you know, Wilkin Formby, all these guys, that, all the other options, none of them have any experience whatsoever outside of maybe the occasional mop-up duty snap. So I think that that was big. uh, But the transfer portal I certainly think is a possibility depending on who's available after the spring. Because, you know, I mean, at least one thing Nick Saban's always taken into account is the experience factor. Like he might really like the, the talent of a group, but if it doesn't have that complimentary experience where you, you know, have to throw out a guy before he's ready and confident, uh, you know, you, you probably want a couple of more options. So I could see them entering, uh, you know, they're, they're throwing their names into the hat as far as a couple of veteran offensive tackles, depending on what happens in the portal. But I also think that this is a really good group, and if they can get some development from guys like Formby and and McVay, I mean, they might not need to as far as going to find a starter.
0: Yeah, really nice building block still with Booker and also Jaden Roberts, who in early October we didn't even have associated with the starting lineup. And now you're looking at Jaden Roberts based on his play over the second half of that 2023 season as being a real jewel for this staff that is coming in. Hey, Tim, from a coaching staff perspective, uh, hasn't been extremely newsy the last few days. So much transfer portal stuff going on. Um, but I, I think with um, Kane I got it right that time, I think. There you go. Um, yeah. Kane Womack coming in. Uh, you feel a little bit better about things as far as stabilizing things there. Uh, you've heard that uh, you've added another sitting Uh, G5 head coach and Maurice Linguist from the University of Buffalo, a guy I like doing a little bit of research on him, Tim, from a recruiting perspective. That's obviously been a concern because he's worked at Texas A&M. He's worked at Mississippi State. He's worked in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, if it was going to be a situation where Traveris Robinson was, in fact, going to move on, uh, this looks to be a pretty solid hire on the defensive side.
1: Yeah, I tell you, with all the, all the all the coaching hires Alabama's had so far, the one I heard the most about was Mamic, uh, because of, you know, obviously we're in Alabama and I know a lot of people in Mobile. But the one I didn't have to solicit any advice or any opinions on was uh, Mar- Maurice uh, Linguist. There was, I mean, I was getting texts from guys in this industry, got it from a college coach and an NFL coach who happened to know him. So the guy's got a broad range. I think he's going to recruit Texas extremely well. Dallas was mentioned by a couple of people in our industry who've known him, uh, which will be big. You get your foothold there. You got Freddie Roach in the state of Alabama, you got Gillespie in the state of Florida, you got Maurice Linguist in Dallas building out of Texas. So that's three pretty strong areas you've got just based on that. But as far as, you know, look at him speak, he's a guy that knows what he knows what he talks about. I think the biggest thing is he's been around a lot, you know, for to be 39. I mean, you look at his uh his resume, he started as a GA at Baylor in twenty, you know, 2007, ended up the Buffalo head coach 14 uh, years later, spent three years at Buffalo and uh, one year with the Cowboys, and now he's here. So obviously, I think that's a big pickup from a recruiting standpoint because you want to, you know, you want to plant your flag in Dallas somewhat, you know, even if it's three players a year in Texas, I mean, and then you, of course, when you want to, you know, you work your own state, and I imagine he'll have bigger areas than Texas as well. Dallas native, Maurice Lindquist. So sure,
0: absolutely. The Lone Star State, you got to think and play for Mo. Um, The defensive side, Clint, with Womack coming in, doing a little reading up, a little watching of his system, that 4-2-5 that initially sent some Alabama fans into a tizzy because how is the personnel going to align? We talked about some of this, I think, previously. But um, it is going to be interesting because from what I can gather anyway, maybe not as much man-to-man dependent. I think it's a defense that likes to show man uh, and then get eyes on the quarterback, which has shown up, right, in interception, takeaway numbers for Womack defenses in the past and a defense that's also been successful in getting after the quarterback.
2: Yeah, they, they've run a lot of cover three, or at least they did at South Alabama. I think that might have been more out of necessity due to personnel, though. Like, I think that you're going to see a lot more flexibility not just on the back end, but also, you know, with your front seven and, and what he can do or call because he's got the the horses to be able to do it. And so I think that there's some untapped potential as far as he is concerned as a defensive uh, minded guy, as a defensive play caller that could really end up being a, a bigger, more pleasant surprise than even we're anticipating going in. And I really like the way that Alabama has structured the offensive and defensive coaching staffs, like you think about the offense and it's like, that's kind of why you're bringing DeBoer in, right? I mean, it's the offense that they had over there at Washington. So you want some familiarity there. You want, you know, as much of that as you could possibly get. But from a recruiting perspective, I don't think you sacrifice much, if anything at all. As far as the on-field stuff, I really like what the defensive coaching staff brings to the table as far as that's concerned. But with, you know, the, the offensive coaching staff being a little bit less you know familiar with the area and the recruiting and all that side of things the defensive staff in my opinion makes up for that because of their experiences that some of these guys have had so I I like how they structured things on that front and I think it's going to allow for the offense to really hit the ground running the defense might take a little bit of time just because there is going to be some adjustments but uh the the talent that's available on that side of the football too I think it's going to be fun to watch and I think uh, as far as you know Uh, Womick and and what he brings to the table I'll be curious to see exactly how creative he gets with this bunch because it's certainly going to be a good group regardless of the departures there's still a lot of talent available at his disposal
0: Tim still some spots to officially fill out on the field for this coaching staff do you have a time frame in mind for when this might be officially complete because you got a recruiting weekend
1: coming up pretty big one right Man, they got three or four guys coming in right now. There could be more. Ryan Williams is obviously a big one, but you've got the wide receiver coach will be on campus. No, the one thing about it is you got two guys coming in from Washington with the center and with the DB. You've got Noah Carter coming in who just got released, hit the portal, and was committed to Washington. So those three guys know the head coach really well, right? So if it was just DeBoer on campus, they would know them pretty well. But then when you flip it over and you look at Noah Carter, for instance, you got your head coach, you got your coordinators, and you got Freddie Roach. So you're good on that end. You got the three guys. You got your offensive line coach. You got your DB coach. You got your wide receiver coach. And that's the positions the four. And now, look, they're out here beating the pavement, so there could be many more that jumped in or a few more on this visitors list. Um, but you've got the guys in place. I would think it's over relatively soon this week but I think you've got the heart of what you wanted there because really, you know, you've covered, I mean, Womack could be your linebacker recruiter, you know, Mm -hmm. you got Lindquist who could be your DB and you got Freddie Roach on the defensive line offense, you're covered up. You've got everybody you need. So I think you're the other two are just falling into place and trying to help you with numbers, but you know, ha ha Clinton Dix is on the road. You know, you've got guys out here recruiting people and, and talking to people, Josh Chapman, Um, all the support staff that stayed knew a lot of relationships. So all that's in play. I tell y'all one angle I've been thinking about that the chip on the shoulder for these guys that stayed, you know, it could be that bring them together, band of brothers, you know, you know, for more like plenty of more like in the tank. This could, this could be, this could, this could, you know, this could be a special group for just having stayed and, 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 you know, whatever, you know, Held the rope, whatever you want. Oh, to call it. I'm yeah. struggling with cliches. He was trying so. Tim was trying hearts. so hard
0: not to go, friend, and he still hey, went, friend.
1: Five star hearts. I'm just throwing out <laughs> every cliche I've ever heard. Yeah, so shoot me in the face, you know. But I couldn't think of another one. But I mean, these guys sticking together, arm in arm. I think that's a uh, term I heard Kalen DeBoer say, right? So arm in arm, standing together. I think there's a little bit of a little bit of toughness that'll go with them. And I think they will be a little chippy when they see the guys that were on their team on that other team. I don't think the hate will go both ways. I think that anger will just come from this side of that fence. Yeah. We want you on our team. So if you haven't subscribed to the Bama online
0: Mm -hmm. YouTube channel, you need to do that right now. Hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Of course, you need to join us right there at BamaOnline.com. The Roundtable, our premium message board there at BOL. Everything as we know it is going to drop first at the Roundtable for BamaOnline.com. Hey, Tim, I guess Alabama fans, after these last couple of days, what they just want to know is, is Alabama going on the offensive here in the next day or so? With this recruiting weekend, You know, with maybe some of these departures starting to die down a little bit, kind of like Rocky, you know, feel like they've been taking some shots from Apollo Creed for 12, 13 Mm -hmm. rounds. They're ready for that 14th and 15th round to roll around. I guess that still may be out there on the horizon
1: in the spring, I guess. Maybe a little Ali Ropado, you know, sit sit on those chains and take those blows and then you come off of them swinging. I think definitely they've been aggressive. You know, one thing's kind of surprising are the fans who are upset about the underclassmen. Uh, that was kind of like the last guys you want to deal with. Not saying they're not important, but your roster, your staff, with everything that's going on. Now you got to fill spots for next year. That's your priority. Also, I, it was shocking. I had so many messages or, or posts or DMs or texts or, from people saying, I mean, this staff is going to want to evaluate their own players. So the fact they're they're offering guys on the West Coast, that's guys, you know, you know, you go with what you know. That's an old saying. They know those guys. They still got to evaluate in state and the whole he's a five-star. I mean, he's a five star 18 months before he signs. That doesn't really for a lot of guys, that doesn't count. That can change so much, though. I think they've done a good job of building everything and putting it together. Again, I mean, it's it's not even the eighth day of this thing. Yesterday when we were talking about this, it was going into the week since Nick Saban. I know I'm with everybody else. It literally feels like a month to me. It feels like a month to all of us, but I think relatively it's been done well. Even, you know, even the discussion of why aren't they on campus? They were on campus. We just, you know, it just reported later on yesterday, Charlie Potter dropped a note that they were there. <clears throat> Monday didn't help national holiday and travel issues this week. I had friends who were caught up trying to go a- hung up in Nashville. A few people hung up in, uh, in Atlanta, trying to get to other places. So that didn't help any travel. So, I mean, all things considered, they're having visitors this weekend. They got, you know, vast majority of their staff put together. So still swinging, still fighting. Still swinging and still fighting. And
0: also what you're hearing with the 2025s, I guess, shouldn't be unexpected either because new staff, we're working on a reduced uh, time frame to this point. Um, So you're going to have to endure some of that if you're an Alabama fan where it comes to guys maybe opening up their recruitments, reopening their recruitments like we've seen both from in-state and out-of-state state targets.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you're committed to Nick Saban and his staff and you're not a defensive lineman who knew Freddie Roach and you're not a running back or area for those guys with Robert Gillespie, it makes sense. Even if you know them, it makes sense to get to meet Kalen DeBoer or the new offensive line coach it makes a thousand percent I mean decommitment doesn't mean they're done you know what's the difference between a decommitment and a kid who's committed but taking 50 official visits elsewhere I mean it's pretty much the same ballpark right I mean it's that I know this it's in the exact same ballpark anxiety wise so when you look at that so I mean it makes sense for these guys to decommit and get in there and talk about it and it's different schemes. I mean, the offense is not is totally different. I know this. There's not going to be a lot of defensive coordinators happy to have to face that offense next year. It's confusing. You got to put in a lot of work. And the way the SEC scheduled, you don't really get two weeks to plan for it. You know, you're kind of like you're playing one good team, working on Alabama, playing another good team. So it's a uh, it's thrown a wrinkle in there. And defensive coordinators have now got you know Hugh Freeze is back. You got Josh Heupel. You know you got DeBoer, defensive coordinators are thinking, hey, that NFL is looking a little better than I thought.
0: Clint, can uh, spring
1: practice get
0: here soon enough?
2: No, no, it, <laughs> it definitely can't. It, uh, I'm, I am ready to see how everything looks. And, and one thing I'll say, uh, I think the attention needs to be a little bit more on the guys who are choosing to come back. I've seen a little bit, and I understand it. You know, it's frustrating, and there's a lot. I mean, Caden Proctor, I think, is going to end up being one of the best tackles in college football. Caleb Downs is already one of the best defensive backs in college football and might be the best before it's all said and done. So it's frustrating. But at the same time, um, you know, I've seen a little bit too much of this, uh, you know, oh, Deontay Lawson announced that he's coming back. Great, but who are we losing? You know, Jihad Campbell makes this big roll-tied announcement. Cool. Check that box off, but who are we losing? Take some time and appreciate those guys Absolutely. who are choosing to come. Yeah, who are choosing to come back. And also, if you've got a favorite player out there, if Malachi Moore has been one of your guys from day one, and you've always loved that. Go show him some love and some uh, some appreciation on social media, and let the guys who are in that locker room know that you want them to have your back. But you've got to go make them aware that you've got their back too.
1: Now he's the right. Th- I mean, you look at our Nuggets. I literally could drop nine Nuggets now, and eight of them are good. And the only thing they talk about is the one that's not great. You know what I mean? If you're winning eight out of nine times, you are winning at life. And you focus on that. And it's like we posted a nugget, you know, Ryan Williams, you know, we shocked, you know, we surprised him when Ryan Williams was on campus this week. And then there were people asking me about who was in the portal and stuff in that thread. Yeah. It was like just briefed over it. I mean, that's a big deal. Ryan was on campus. You didn't expect it. Him and Jalen are hanging, you know, Jalen and Bach we we're hanging out together. Now that's human nature. Um, And I probably was more jaded when I was younger, but as I got older, I kind of enjoy the wins more than I relish the losses. You know, I used to be the guy stewing after a win. The Penn State game—I was, you know, I was very young in that Penn State game, or at the back of the end zone, and tight. You know, should have scored and wasn't a score. Preston Gothard. That burned my weekend. You know what I mean? But I'm older now and understand that you take some life losses. So when a fourth and thirty-one happens, I'm able to enjoy it. At a level, you know, ten-year-old Timmy wouldn't have been able to enjoy, you know. So, but I agree with Clint. I mean, the ones that are here, when we do this at the end, we're going to do this. The ones that stayed, that list will be a hell of a lot longer than the ones who left, and every one of them could have left. Never forget that.
0: Yeah, and this isn't an unforgettables situation. If you remember, like an old head being myself, and I'm sure Tim does. Rick Pitino, when he took over Kentucky basketball, uh-huh. had been devastated. And that team with Mashburn and those guys, Richie Farmer, they made it to the Elite Eight, lost on the miracle shot by Christian Leitner in Philadelphia, but they were forever uh, regarded. And, and I'm not saying this group will be like that because that would be undervalu- uh, undervaluing the talent that Alabama is still going to bring back. You know, This isn't going to be 2003 Alabama, regardless of how it plays out. We're not going back to those days. Still going to be a very talented football team with every opportunity to make a 12-team playoff. But you guys said it. Retention, man, we just gloss right over it these days. And I think in a situation like this, it's even more beneficial the guys you keep than the guys you add because so many of these guys understand the standard. They understand what's expected at Alabama. So it's not just a talented player coming back. Is someone who is wired in a way that this is how we do it. This is what we do on a daily base, basis, and this is where we're looking to go. So, good well, points, guys.
2: Well, and you know, it, it's anytime an Alabama player enter the, enters the transfer portal, you've got other programs, you know, wanting to go after that guy because that one player knows the standard and he knows what it takes to win. And NFL teams view it the same way. It's like, you know, that's a locker room guy that you want in your locker room. And so that makes him a much more coveted guy. Out the, the 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 tons of players who stay, they've got that same mentality. They understand what it takes, and so Alabama right now. I mean, this is not 2007. What Kalen DeBoer is taking over, and even I don't care with all the losses, it doesn't matter. It Doesn't even come close to touching what Nick Saban dealt with. The culture is already in place, but I do think that this group is is really about reestablishing or resetting. I guess is the way to put it. That culture and really setting, trying to set things up for the next 17 years just like you've seen over the last 17, not saying that the national championship count and all that stuff's going to be the same. I mean, it's no other coach or program has ever been able to do what Alabama has done under Nick Saban. So I'm not saying that, but I do think that the importance of these guys choosing to stick around and really trying to have this program set up in the right direction with this new regime that's in place, I think that that's big and I think they deserve a lot of appreciation for that.
1: I mean, Tyler Booker said no amount of money could buy me away from Alabama and my legacy here. Amazing. I don't, you know, after you hear that, I don't really care who leaves, you know, I really, I mean, they, if you got to go, you got to go just hurry up and go. You know what I mean? Like there's no need to, there's no need to drag it out. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, if your significant other leaves you, they don't need to pick up a box a day. Get all that stuff one day in the U-Haul and get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? Let's get to move on. I got somebody to move in. You know what I mean? I got a half a bed that's free. Yeah, so I the, think, Go ahead.
0: The Kim uh, philosophy certainly is in play right now. Keep it moving. And yeah. that's Kalen DeBoer's task at this moment. Hey, guys, appreciate it. Great stuff, as always. Tim, anything else before we get out of here?
1: No, I'm excited. I mean, I don't. I think that if you focus on the good things that are happening versus the bad things that are happening, I think the good outweighs the bad. Uh, again, you know, being around and having seen coaching changes go in weird directions. You know, they always called Franchoni fifth choicey. You know what I mean? Because they thought he was the fifth choice. Saban took 37 days to get here. Um, all this stuff we're talking about, this thing was done in 41 hours. And it's a good coach. I mean, this is a highly respected coach at a high level who's been successful everywhere he's went. So I think you should count your blessings that we are where we are right now. There you go. Tim Watts, Clint Lamb. Thanks
0: again, guys. Appreciate it. For Clint and Tim, Travis Reyer, thanks again for joining us right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Keep it locked up, B-O-L. Keep hitting that refresh throughout Thursday. And end of the weekend, we'll have you covered at com. until next time so long everybody
1: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my
2: dentist's office